amen and amen. What a wonderful time of worship today. It's so good to have our kids in here. Kids, you glad to be here today? All right, that was great. One of you. I got you. I'll slip you that uh, candy later. Uh, hey, what, what a, I, I want to tell you that song that we sang a few moments ago, uh, Our God is an Awesome God, that version that you just heard is the, like, our band just did like an ultimate cover of the exact VBS version they did. Like, and it was way better than whatever that played on the DVD uh, when we were watching it during VBS. So it was awesome. So some of you are like, that's an interesting version. That wasn't just Rick uh, showing off his musical chops, which he's capable. Uh, that was uh, Gary shredding like nobody's business uh, on that song. So that was super fun for me. Uh, so I'm, I'm, listen, when you do uh, two services, I get to hear it again. So some of you may want to stick around for that part so you can hear that song again. Some of you don't, and that's okay too. So Hey, open your Bibles. Do you have them with you? I hope you do. If you don't, grab your device, and let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. So we're completing this incredible chapter, this incredible series that has really taken us all summer. All summer we've been talking about uh, what it means to walk and live in the peace of God and also in the love of God. And I've enjoyed this series immensely. I hope it's been helpful for you. I hope that it's been a blessing and that you have uh, engaged and been able to learn and grow because of what the Lord has taught us. But we are not, uh, you know, kind of crawling to the finish line. We're going to sprint through it this morning as we finish 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter. So I'm excited to be able to do that with you today. Well, on the night before my wedding, which was November the 4th, no, that was the wedding was on the 5th. This is the night before, so it's the 4th. I'm right, Okay. Nervous. It's it's you need to know it's made complicated by the fact that Etta's birthday is the thirteenth, so I switched those dates a lot, but it's fine. I nailed it this morning. I also had it in my notes, so that's kind of cheating, but it's fine. So on November fourth, two thousand eleven, we had had our, our wedding rehearsal, you know, kind of the classic bit, you know, of all the then you go do the dinner and all that. And, and after the dinner, my little brother said, Hey, get in the car, we're going somewhere. Now, y'all, it's Family Sunday. We're going to keep it PG. Some of you are like, oh, man, where are we going? All right? Uh, so, so we go to Beaumont, which is a town about 45 minutes away. It's fine. Some of you are upset that I just did that joke on Family Sunday. It's fine. Uh, so we, we get to Beaumont, and we pull up to a store, and he said, I have a question for you. I said, what? And he said, do you have any boots? And at the time, like, I was not boot guy, just to be honest. Like, I grew up in the country, but I'm, like, the least country boy from the country you know. Like, I'm actually pretty country, but not that country at the time. So I'm like, yeah, I don't really have any boots. And he said, every married man needs a pair of boots. <laughs> now, I got to tell you, this kid had been married about 18 months, but to be fair, I had zero experience at that point. So in we go to the, the store there to look at boots, and we look and we find some boots, and at that point, my little brother bought me a pair of boots. And call me a sentimental sap. In fact, if he were to stumble across this video, he's going to say, I can't believe you're talking about it in this way. But that pair of boots is one of my most prized possessions. They're very special to me. I don't wear them very often. They're not even really super fancy. Uh, they definitely cost a lot for a couple of kids in their early 20s. But the memory, the, the moments, like the love that was shared in that time, and it was just something I'm never going to forget. And I, I rarely wear them, but yes, I've got them on today, and a couple people noticed, and it's not because they're super fancy, it's just because they're not as beat up as my other ones, but they do got a little green. I'm going to show you some green. Look at this. Oh, yeah. A little bit of green there. Surprise you. I look like boots, and it's like, oh, this guy's got some green boots on, right? 
I, I don't wear them very often, really only a time or two of ye- a year because I want to preserve them. I want to keep them great. And honestly, they're probably going to be like on my feet when they put me in the ground, okay? Because I know how that works. Like they're special to me, but my kids are going to like want to sell them at a garage sale for $3 one day. So I'm like, don't do that. Put them on me, all right? Uh, so here, here's the thing, and as special as these are, as much as I love them, as much meaning as they have for me, here's what I know. These are not permanent. Like, I'm not going to be able to close my eyes on this earth and open them in eternity and look down and be like, my boots made it. <laughs> like, like, that's not going to happen. As special as they are, and even in some ways just so meaningful to me, The fact of the matter is they are not eternal, but what I want you to understand today as we study this last section of 1 Corinthians 13 is that the love of God is indeed an eternal gift that we get to enjoy today, but we also will have for all of eternity. The same love that created you, the same love that is sustaining you and keeping you right now in this moment is the same love that is going to carry you all the way to glory when we stand before the God who is love. So let's read through this chapter one more time in its entirety, and then we'll hone in on the final section together. 1 Corinthians 13, and let's start in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray together. Lord, would you help us understand this passage and apply it to our lives in such a way that it changes us and makes us who it is you want us to be. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for every single person in this room, especially this morning. I'm mindful of our kids who are with us. Lord, I'm just so thankful that they get to be in church with us, Lord, and I pray that you would bless this time for them and even for mom and dad. And God, I pray that it would just be a wonderful time of worship as we gather around your word as families. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, I do just want to throw out for the record that your kiddos are not going to bother me. All right? Can I tell you how many times after church someone comes up to me and they're like, Pastor Rusty, I am so sorry. And I'm like, 
sorry for, you know, I'm like nervous. I'm checking my email. I'm assuming they sent me something bad. <laughs> like, I, I don't even know what they're talking about. And, and, uh, but I also know, mom and dad, because I am a parent, that your kid like squeaks like a mouse and it sounds like somebody yelled through a megaphone in this room. <laughs> so here's what I want. Can I, just, can I just lovingly tell you, relax. It's going to be all right. Let's listen to the word of God. And can I tell you, I am thankful for the noise in this room because that is the life of our church. So thankful for that. And, and I also want to just tell you, you know, I, I know there probably are some watching from home today who are like, well, I didn't go because they don't have child care today. Can I just tell you, we don't have child care at all at Crossroad Church. We don't believe in child care. We believe in children's ministry. We are investing and discipling your kids on Sunday mornings. We're not just taking care of them so you can grab a latte and hang out with us for an hour. We believe in discipling your kids, and we're pumped to be able to start doing that again next Sunday. But you know what we're doing right now? We're discipling them even as we sit around the Word together in this room. And I also will tell you this, some of you who maybe don't have kids and you're maybe a little miffed that the kids are in here today and maybe someone's noisy right behind you, we're discipling you right now too. <laughs> because you need to know that that is a great blessing for us. So uh, I'm going to just start preaching before I get more emails. So again, it's Lyle at Crossroad.live. Send them on. So in the last couple of weeks, we've dove into the first sections of 1 Corinthians 13. We've seen God teaching us so much. First, uh, the Bible taught us in the first three verses that love must be at the foundation of all that we do and everything that we are. And then last week in verses 4 through 7, we took some time to really slow down and say, what is love and what's not Love, And we ultimately arrived at this truth, that to walk in love is to walk with Jesus. So this morning, I really want us to zoom in and focus on verses 8 through 13. And the theme of these verses is pretty clearly expressed in the first three words of this section and in the last verse of this section. So really, Paul sandwiches this section with the main truth of what he wants us to hear. So here's the big truth today. You ready for it? God's love is eternal. God's love is eternal. 1 John 4, 8 tells us this timeless truth. God is love. And our God who has existed for all of eternity, from eternity past, and who will exist into eternity future, no beginning, no ending. He is outside of the limits of our human conception of time and human understanding. This God of all creation, the one who created you and me, is a God who loves us. Isn't that astounding to think about? He loved you before you were even created. He has an eternal love for you. He even loves you right now in the middle of your mess. The same love that he has for you now is the love that will carry on for all of eternity. Verse 8 simply says this, love never ends. Love never ends. This word translated ends here is the Greek word peepto. Peepto. Hey kids, can you say the word peepto? Peepto, yeah, see, you're learning Greek. Audra, you gotta step the game up back there, right? Teaching them Greek this morning. Peepto. This word is used somewhere around 100 times in the New Testament, and almost exclusively, this word is translated as falls down. 
This is the word that is used to talk about kingdoms and kings that are literally falling. So this word really, nowhere in the New Testament, except for in some of your translations, is translated as fails. And in some translations, like here in the ESV, it's translated as ends. But really, neither of those words are translated in any other spot where the word pipto is used. It always means to fall, to fall down. So again, to describe kings and kingdoms that are falling. So did you know that Satan will ultimately fall in the end? Aren't you glad for that? Like in the book of Rev, yes, okay, that's good. We can clap for that. <laughs> yeah, Satan loses, right? So Satan ultimately will meet his demise, and the word that is used to talk about that demise, you guessed it, peepto. So in contrast to temporary kings and kingdoms, including the kingdom of Satan, love will never peepto. Love will never fall down. The sense of the Greek language here I think is better understood with the positive sentiment. Simply put, God's love is eternal. It will never fall down. Everything else in this world is temporary, but love is eternal. Love will never end. Paul doesn't only start with this thought, but he ends the section with this thought. This classic verse in 13, look at it with me. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Have you ever wondered why love is the greatest of these three? Well, let me just simply explain why. Think about it for a second. Our faith is going to be made sight when we stand before God. You don't need faith anymore. You're standing before God. Our hope is going to be realized, so we won't need hope anymore. And when we stand before God one day, can I tell you, all that's going to be left is love. For all eternity, we will worship and enjoy the God who loves us and created us to love him. Paul wants us to know and understand today that God's love is eternal. And this eternal love should change us. All through the last three weeks, we've been reminding ourselves of the reality of 1 John 4, 19 that says we love because God first loved us. It's this eternal love that even allows us to be able to become a people of love. It's this love that makes the gospel possible. Because you see, you and I were rebels of God. You and I were enemies of God because we were born into this world, yet the Bible says every single one of us has sinned. We bought into the lie that our loving God didn't really want what was best for us, so we chased the world. We chased our own sinful desires, and the Bible says because of that, that every single person in the world is under the wrath of God. But praise God for his eternal love, because in John three sixteen the Bible says, for God so loved the world. Friends, that's you and me. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus, and Jesus died on the cross, taking the punishment for your sins and my sins, and three days later, God raised him from the dead, victorious over sin and death. Friends, love won the day, and God's eternal love is the love that makes the gospel possible. Sinners can be saved, lost can be found, and I want to just tell you, that same eternal love that has always existed is coming for you today. You may not even know why you're here today. A friend or family member may have drugged you to church, and you're like, well, here I am. But can I tell you, the love of God is pursuing you in this very moment. 
If you never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, today could be the day of salvation. Don't leave this place without talking to one of us about what it means to surrender your life to Jesus. Real love is possible, friends, because we have been loved by a God who is and always will be love. So some of you may be thinking, well, why are we talking about this for three weeks then, Pastor Rusty? Uh, this is pretty elementary. This is basic. But, but here's why we're talking about it this way. This saving love is also a growing love. So it doesn't stop at salvation. After clearly teaching us the permanence of this love, Paul then makes it clear in this passage that God's eternal love matures us. So God's love is eternal. The second big truth, if you're trying to take notes this morning, is that God's eternal love matures us. Put another way, in the first week of this series, we said it this way. The mark of maturity in the Christian life is love. Not our knowledge, not, not our level of church involvement, not our giftedness. Love is the mark of maturity. Paul builds this case in the passage by telling us first that the other spiritual gifts are going to pass away. Look at verse 8. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So, so again, the source of much debate in the Corinthian church were these spiritual gifts. They were ranking one another based on who had this gift and that gift. And if you have this gift, then you are more mature than these people. These people are in a different category than these people. And Paul says, what are you doing? Stop measuring your maturity by the things that will pass away. Growing in Christ means growing in love. And yes, the gifts are given by God, and we should seek to grow in knowledge and service and all of that. But the foundation of all of these, the motivation for all of these must be love. But here's what's hard, especially in 2022 in Western culture. I think it's really easy and possible to do a lot of these things outside of a radical, life-changing love. I, I wonder sometimes what's going to happen when we don't need theology anymore. How are you going to do with that, some of you? What, what are you going to do when you don't need service anymore? When, when the gifts pass away? I, I thought about this this week. What, what am I going to do when we don't need preaching anymore? And some of you are like, what are you, think, what are you thinking? Like, hey, listen, the reality is we're going to stand before God one day. He's not going to need us to do any more preaching. And my identity is so wrapped up in this. And for you, fill in the blank. What is it going to be when you stand before God one day? Who will you be? Can I say it's probably not preaching for you, but what do you put in that gap? Is it your spiritual gifts? Is it your calling? Is it your job? Is it your identity? One day, all of those things will pass away, but you know what will be left? Love. So the invitation of this text is to start growing in that love today. Everything else is temporary, but love is forever. So start growing in love today. They say you can't take it with you, but love is the one thing that you can and will take with you into glory. So start maturing, start growing into this love. Verse 11 says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Friends, the childish ways, we referred to them last week, is really pride. The pride that stops us from loving each other, that stops us from pursuing Jesus and his love with our whole hearts. 
Friends, it's time for us to put that away. Time's too short. We've got to grow up today by growing in love. We see here in this text, finally, that God's eternal love carries us to glory. That sounds pretty lofty, doesn't it? Let me explain what I mean by this. Verse 12, look at it with me. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Corinth was known, as many cities were, but they in particular were known for their brass mirrors. Now some of you perhaps have seen your reflection off of a metal surface, and you think, Man, I can't really see myself very clearly, but you've got to understand that back then, that was their mirrors. And so they only were able to see in part what they actually even looked like. It wasn't clear. It was hard to see. And Paul says, that's how we see things now, but there is coming a day when we're going to see things as clearly as we see one another's faces right now. And I love this language from the text. Then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. What is this talking about? Paul's referring to the day when we stand before the Lord in glory, in eternity. In verse 10, it uses this phrase, when the perfect comes. That word perfect is actually the same Greek word that is translated throughout the New Testament as maturity. So that day when we are finally perfect before God, completely and fully mature in Him. Did you know that there is a day coming when this process of love and growing in our lives will be completed when we stand before God? Isn't that good to know? And like sometimes like it feels like you're fighting and you're just like beating your head against a wall. But can I just remind you today that the love of God that allows you to even walk in love today is the same love that will carry you all the way through to maturity. Complete and full maturity will be ours. We will stand before the Lord perfect and holy, not of anything that we have done on our own, but because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we said earlier, our faith will be made sight, our hope will be realized, and nothing will be left but a complete love. And the love of God that knows us fully will give us the ability to love Him and know Him fully in our glorified state. What a day that will be! It'll be awesome. But I want to bring this full circle as we wrap this series up, because here's the reality. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Any of you feel that way? It's funny how God works, to, just to be honest with you. You know, Peace, Love, Summer was, was really a series that we did because we knew summer was going to be wild, and, and we knew that we were going to have to kind of move around, and different people would be preaching different times and things like that. So it was kind of generic enough that we could find Bible texts and preach the Bible to you on a weekly basis. But the Lord and His providence has really given us quite a coherent message from start to finish. And on the, the Sunday when I returned from camp, we preached Philippians chapter 3. Do you remember Paul said, I, I'm not there yet, but I press on to the upward, to the call of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, what is that call? The call is love. It's a call to love. So I want to give you a couple of ways that we press on this morning. How do we grow in this love? Well, first, we need to repent for our lack of love. I think we like to move past repentance. Anybody else? <laughs> I like to skip the repentance part and be like, okay, I'm going to start loving now. It's all good. But repent literally means to acknowledge our wrong before the Lord and to turn away from it. 
So, so to be able to say, like, man, I've sinned against God by, by being unloving. I've measured the wrong things. I've evaluated my life based on all sorts of other things instead of love. So I'm going to turn from that lifestyle, and I'm going to turn back to the God who loved me so that I can love him and love others. Some of you need to take some time today to repent before the Lord and say, I'm sorry for the lack of love I have in my life. Once you do that, how do you actually start living in this love? That's a pretty good question. I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 9, where it says Jesus saw the crowd and had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that word compassion means literally to be moved within the deepest part of who you are. It's a it's another fun Greek word. Literally means to be moved within your bowels kids you should have liked that one but you weren't listening she's like what's a bowel okay uh, that'll be for next week audra can clean that up so but the idea is that you are moved within the deepest part of who you are with love for others now now here's the thing and i, and I need you to hear this so then jesus said the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few do you remember what he said pray then for laborers for the harvest and you know how churches have been applying this for years Lord, send us some people who are willing to work, right? Oh, there's such a harvest, but no one's working. But can I tell you what Jesus does? He tells them to pray for laborers for the harvest. Do you know what he does in chapter 10, verse 1? He sends them. So what Jesus is really doing there is saying, you pray that God would give you his compassion so that compassion leads to love in action. So after we've repented of our lack of love, you know what we need to do, friends? We need to pray and say, Lord, give me your love. Help me see and experience your love in such a way that I can then share it with others. We're going to take some time Tuesday night at prayer meeting to, to do that, to pray that the Lord would break our hearts for the lost, to stir in us a love for Jesus and a love for others. But you don't have to wait till Tuesday. God's love is available today and, and the way that we walk and experience that love is by first just letting him love us some of you aren't loving because you haven't really received the love of God you, you don't actually walk and experience the love of God on a regular basis and, and it's really messed up and you need to listen to me because I, I know some of you don't believe me but some of you I think today don't really think that God loves you even believers in the room can I tell you what I tend to do with the love of God I treat the love of God a lot like I do these boots. It's like in a box somewhere deep in the closet of my heart. And, and a couple times a year, maybe when I've messed up really big, or maybe when I've fallen really far away, or when I just don't feel like I'm measuring up, maybe a couple times a year, like I find it and I'm like, oh my goodness, God really loves me. Like, he, he really loves me today, just like I am right now in the middle of my mess. He loves me, and it's an amazing reminder, and it just changes everything in my life for a little while. But can I tell you what ends up happening somewhere along the way? It gets put back on the shelf somewhere, and I forget. And I start thinking that God loves me based on how good a dude I am. The problem is I'm not a good dude, and you're not either, dudes or girls. The only way you can walk in love, friends, is to realize how loved you are by our God. So I want to invite you to, to take that love off the shelf and put it in your hearts. 
Put it in prominent display. In fact, put it on. Like I put these boots on this morning, get up and put the love of God on. In fact, in Romans and Ephesians, and as we'll even see in Colossians here in a few weeks, the Bible usually, literally uses this phrase, put on the love of Christ. And the Greek phrase, put on, is literally the same thing we would do as putting on the shirt this morning. It means to clothe yourself, to put the love of Christ in your life. So let me just tell you what I'm trying to do these days. And I'm not hitting it out of the park. I'm not there yet, but I press on. I'm trying to take time every day to just pray and ask the Lord to help me. I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, help me love others like you have loved me. And it starts with just saying, Lord, thank you for loving me. Remind me of how much you love me today so that then I can go and share that same love you have for me with others. I got good news for you, friends. We're not there yet, but the Bible calls us and invites us today to press on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, and that call is a call to love. And the good news is that the love that created you, the same love that saved you, is going to be the same love that is with you when you close your eyes on this earth and open them in eternity, and you are fully mature and complete in the eternal love of God. Faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for a clear challenge today, God. I think as we think about your eternal love, really the challenge I know for me and I believe probably for many of my brothers and sisters today is to believe that your eternal love is for us. So, Lord, would you just make this real to each and every one of us on an individual basis? Would we know, recognize, and live in this eternal love so that we can then walk out this love to 